What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news and the hottest topics with a touch of what, Terence? Also, the hottest leading men from Southeast Asia. I mean, I'm not referring to us. Like, I'm just, yeah. So I'm giving a preview of our topics later. Together with the, but he's, unless <laughs> you're saying that he is going to come on our podcast later this episode, is it? Oh, no, 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 no. We're just talking about him. Talking about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, imagine We're if, not that blessed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe not yet, la, not yet. Not yet, not yet. At yep, some yep. point, at some point maybe. But yes, yeah. uh, Buzziest Topics, three times a week. This is the midweek episode. Yeah. How, late night, midweek episode. Uh, yeah, late my, my night. night as a service, as, a, as our national service to, you know, to everyone who's also, you know, working or or doing the late night shift. Yeah, and so why is it... to record one at night, yeah. Why is it a late night? I mean, we can tease a bit, lah. We can tease a bit, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing something... During the day, we're doing something that we absolutely love doing. But yeah. it's it really does eat up our whole day. Yeah. And what is that, that that we're doing? It's the first day of a writer's room for an upcoming TV show that we have just started working on that we're so fucking excited about. But, uh, I mean, we... we Maybe maybe we just just a bit more time till we reveal the details, but it is a it is the next TV show we're working on. Yeah, and you know every time we start a TV show, it's um, you know it's a very long process. Like we're talking about like years, like, right? Yeah. So like the, the very years. least is is like half a year before you really start to even see, you know, stuff happening, like, right? Yeah. So it's like it's a very it's a very nice feeling. It's a very exciting feeling because, you know, the last time we did this, like properly, properly did this mm. was almost three years ago yeah. before She's a Terrorist. Yeah. And, and, and in 2019, when we were, you know, so young and fresh and young there was no such thing as, yeah, no such thing as coronavirus, no such thing. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even a dad yet and things like that. I wasn't that. engaged. So, yeah. So it was, it's, it's I, were you even dating? Someone yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was dating oh, my dating, fiance okay, already. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's it's like, uh, yeah, that's how long it's taken us to get past COVID la, and all that. La, yeah. right? and, and if you're wondering what is a writer's room, it's essentially something that a lot of the TV shows that we love or the way shows are made in the US um, is basically getting a team of writers in a room fucking like nine to ten hours a day uh, for multiple days, just thinking through every aspect of a story, a character, Forming the skeletal of the story before we all we all break up and go write episodes, mm. So it is a it is an awesome process. We got a great team together. Um, it's a concept that we are working on with another studio. Um, we, we, I'm going to try and document more of it on our Ministry of Funny Instagram account because literally today is the first day of the writers' room and the show as of now will come out what in December 2023. That's how long it'll take. 2020, yeah. 2023. Early 2024 or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we are we're just super excited about it. But yeah. that doesn't mean we're ever gonna stop this this podcast. Don't worry, we're not gonna go in decline here. Yeah. Don't worry. Don't decline. worry. We'll have these late uh, night sessions to keep you all company, man. Yeah. I know we've been talking a lot about us, but that's not actually what we're plugging. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Either. That was a tangential right. plug. It's tangential plug. You couldn't help yeah. it. Couldn't there's help it. Too many too many things to talk about ourselves. Mm. But there's actually something that uh, I know you guys on the subreddit, you already caught on even before we actually like properly announced it, right? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and what is that? It is a little thing that has been baked through our threesome 
our intellectual threesome with Andy Chen, uh, a wonderful guest we had on many podcasts ago, who is a well-known actor who has since started his own NFT gaming company. Yes, we're talking about NFTs. And it is a podcast called NFT with Bubble Tea, which is a new show that we are starting in parallel with Yalabad. And mm. what is this show about, Terence? Uh, it's about the three of us talking about the latest in the NFT space in Asia uh, while drinking a very Asian drink called bubble tea. Mm, yes. Mm. And if if you're wondering, oh shit, isn't there so much stuff about NFTs and crypto and I want to get away from all of it, um, perhaps the reason could be because everything you read just deep dives into the technical shit and expects you to know the basics. But the format of the show is a format that we have used previously where Terence and I play the, the the lay folk and we ask the most noob questions to people who are neck deep in the industry. So in this case, every week, we take the same Yalabad form and we look at two headlines in the week and, and Andy fills us in on like on-the-ground research and we just ask questions like, what the hell is a wallet? Okay, what do you mean airdrop? Uh, and it's questions that anyone who, you may have never have read a single article about NFTs, but I guarantee you if you listen to podcasts, or I hope if you listen to the podcast, you'll still be able to take something away. Like it's basically exploring crypto and NFTs through comedy. Yeah. And yeah. then I think, uh, uh, I think the important thing is that we, you know, we we don't have a, a directly vested interest in promoting NFTs. Lah. Yeah. Uh, I would say for Harish and me, it's, it's uh, okay, at least for myself. Lah. Me, Harish, I think I'll leave that for you to answer. Mm. For myself, I have I have a position of a net position of zero in NFTs, mm. and uh, it's really just an intellectual curiosity that I have right now yeah. about the space, and and there's a lot of crazy shit happening in that space as well. Yeah, How about yeah. you, man? Uh, I mean, I I've dabbled a bit to try and understand the space, but but I'm I'm no means an expert. I think the technology is interesting. I think it is something that everybody should kind of get a taste of, um, and yeah, I mean. It, hopefully, I, like we genuinely started it because we think that it was a kind of podcast that we would have appreciated. You know, one thing to understand, but if you go on Twitter, you try and read about NFTs, you're like, holy shit, what mm. the hell are they talking about? But yeah, hopefully it just makes it a bit more accessible so that everyone can get info and make your own informed opinions. Like, and you can find it, find it everywhere you find your own podcast. Like where you found this podcast, you can find it there as well. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's uh, there are already two episodes published, and uh, you can binge those two episodes. Uh, that's why that's why we kind of waited a little bit. Like, we wanted there to be uh, at least a couple episodes before we really spoke about it on, on Yala. But yeah, uh, yeah here, here we are. Cool. Awesome. All right. Awesome. So check out NFTs with Bubble Teas. Uh, with Bubble Tea. With Bubble Tea. I think tea. you can find it on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And in, in worst case, just you know search you know, look for, just come to, come to our, the, the, the show notes and we'll have the link in there. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, man. Cool. All right. That was a plug and a half. Yes. Uh, are we ready to dive into the topic today? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, I mean, this first topic is, there's a, there's a very polished sheen at first glance, but mm. there's a little, a little bit of a kerfuffle that it, it caused in its aftermath. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the big announcement was that um, Gilman Barracks, uh, the, the interesting little compound near Labrador Park, is set to get a $2 million facelift uh, where, where the new offerings 
might include farmers markets and farm to table dining. Mm. So that was the news that broke uh, on 24th May. Uh, and since then, there's been some developments. Yeah. But yeah, when since then. Yeah. Uh, so, so the interesting thing is, yeah, if you, if you just Google Gilman and look up the news, uh, yeah, you see these very exciting announcements about a $2 million rejuvenation of Gilman Barracks. Uh, but then suddenly, there's also an article about, oh, it came as a blow, mm. where current Gilman Barracks F&B tenants, at least a few of them, have not been offered a chance to directly, uh, uh, you know, uh, directly renegotiate their lease with the SLA, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and they're being forced so, to go through another tender process again. Yeah, so so maybe before that, if I just ask you, right, when I see Gilman Barracks, right, what comes mm. to mind? What's the images? What are the words that come to mind? Uh, ice cream, uh-huh. ice cream, because creamier, creamier ice cream is there. Yeah, I've had I've had ice cream there quite a few times. Mm. It's a very nice spot. Um, mm. very atas art galleries. Mm-hmm. Atas in the sense that they feel very, very uh unwelcoming for for non uh arts arts lovers like myself. Mm. Uh, it's very inaccessible by mm. public transport. So either you drive in or you you have to walk quite a bit under the under the sun or however the weather is. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, but but yeah, overall it's a very nice space, but it's just very foreboding and feels has felt very unwelcoming for most people. Uh, I find. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's almost like yeah, it's beautiful, it's peaceful, it's tranquil. Um, but it's also quite often deserted. And mm. just feels like the potential of it hasn't been fulfilled. I remember mm. there was only one event I went at night. I cannot remember what the hell the name was, was, but it was a nighttime event where there was, I mean, this was definitely pre-COVID. Um, it was a nighttime event where there were like uh, uh, like booths with alcohol and light, uh, light, light, like a uh, light projected on the beautiful buildings and live music. And it was, it was, a, it was great. Like. It felt like a festival. Mm. Uh, because the architecture at Gilman Barracks is pretty cool. I think it started off as an army camp in ni- yeah. in the 1930s. Mm. Then it um yeah, it was home to the British 1st and 2nd Battalion and yeah. then to the Singapore Army. Then in 2012 it was the first time it transformed into something like what they call a contemporary art enclave. Yeah. Where there was art yeah. galleries and it was just all about art, 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 art with some Correct. bars and cafes and, and cycling trails. Um, and then now is the latest rejig la. right? But it is inaccessible like, If you don't drive right, it's like what a fifteen minute walk from Labrador Park MRT, which in itself is a bit off, off the main 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 lines la. Yeah, and the restaurants there. I mean, other than maybe Creamier, mm. uh, you know, which is the ice oh, cream. You really place. love Creamier. Uh, creamier is good. Yeah, Creamier is good. Yeah. Um, homegrown brand, everything. But the restaurants there, uh, they're good, but pretty expensive. Mm. You know, so that's why the general sense uh, when you ask me about Gilman Barracks, the general sense I, I have is, uh, yeah lah, you gotta have you gotta be able to drive to go there. Mm. Uh, if you're not there buying art, then you're probably there to just hang out, eat at the expensive restaurants there. Yeah. So it's not exactly like uh, some place that I would recommend people to just drop by, you know, for a coffee or a quick meal or whatever like that lah, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, I mean essentially. What they announced. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry. So, yeah. but but I wanted yeah. to ask. So, 
when you said that it hadn't fulfilled its potential, yeah. Uh, in what way you went that it felt like you felt like it hadn't fulfilled its potential? I mean, in the sense that there's nobody. Yeah, it's nobody, and I mean, it is a big space. It's quite a, a nice architecture. You know, it's it's like the colonial black and white uh, look, and it just feels like wow, this could be an awesome place to to just be like. Um, yeah, I think I think the mix of art and cafe and dining sounds good lah, but it just felt very underutilized lah, very underutilized. Yeah, so I mean, I I would directly contrast it to a place like Dempsey lah, right? Mm. Uh, I mean, Dempsey also has art galleries, also inaccessible, also inaccessible, also a lot of atas restaurants. Mm. But at the same time, they also have uh, other options also lah, right? Uh, in in sense of a bit less atas uh, kind of places also. Yeah. And and just it just feels more welcoming of, of crowds, of uh, families, you know, there's there's like, there are even some, uh, you know, like uh, kids, uh, I, I know kids, sports, uh, schools there and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's, it's Dempsey seems like a, you know, I mean, slightly atas, like, f- but family-friendly destination and all that. La. Whereas, mm. uh, Human barracks doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have any of that sunshine in it, right? Yeah. So so that's why when this announcement was made, uh, I mean, it was announced officially by the Edwin Tong, um, you know, the chief of the committee of proceedings that, that captivated the nation last year. Um, he announced that the SLA, Singapore Land uh, Authority, is launching a tender for five of the 17 buildings there. So it's just five of the 17 buildings. Um, and there's the whole, like, they want to inject more kind of like a, a vibrancy, more uh, sustainable stuff, uh, more covered walkways. And and overall, Gilman Barracks has 18 tenants. There's 10 art galleries, one non-profit institution, one art institution, and six F&B establishments. Mm. Um, but only four of the uh, six... Uh, five of the blocks are putting being put up for tender. Mm-hmm. So, so four of the blocks are currently occupied by Creamier, uh, Masons, Handlebar, and Hopscotch. And the fifth block, uh, it used to house timber, but is now vacant, lah. Mm-hmm. But, but the the flip side of it is that um, there were there were two other tenants, F&B tenants, the Naked Fin and Burger Labo, uh, mm-hmm. whose buildings are not being put up for tender. Mm. So it's just the yeah. other four that need to be put up for tender. La. And the other articles that soon uh, surfaced was that the owners, by and large, were disappointed that they have to re-tender. Because a lot of them have gone through the tough times of COVID. They reinvested a lot of money according to what, what they claim. And they're like, hey, like, they could potentially lose it. While these two were given direct tenancy. Yeah. So, so first of all, it felt like if you read just the the promises of the tender, it sounds like wow, fuck, they're gonna they're gonna inject some steroids into Gilman Barracks and and pimp the hell out of it, mm. But then it does make you wonder, oh shit, how how did these people know about this upcoming tender? It's basically saying, like the your office space is being put on market. You're welcome to put in a bit, but you might lose it, Yeah, yeah, that's right, and uh. I think there's um, if you look at the comments on 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 the couple articles about the about the tenants who who seemingly allegedly get are uh, getting the short end of the stick lah, right? Mm. Are getting screwed over. Uh, yeah, a lot of the comments are saying that this 
uh, it's not fair, lah. You know, uh, the, these SMEs have been struggling to survive through the la- the very painful last couple of years, and uh, now that things are starting to look up, suddenly, uh, you know, they have to literally go through a tender again, a tender process, which uh, probably involves a lot of planning, a lot of resources put into planning, in order to to get back the space that they spent all this time developing and stayed with through. Through COVID, lah, right? Yeah, they didn't give out the space during COVID, so um, there is talk that it feels very, that I mean, an injustice, lah, has been done to these these tenants. Who are if all tenants, if all the FMB tenants were treated equally, then maybe I think that wouldn't you know you can't say much, lah, right? Yeah, but uh, it also appears that not all tenants are the same, lah. Yeah, and I wonder, and I, I'm I'm wondering if the justification that SL is giving for this unequal treatment is uh is 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 legit lah. Yeah. It it just feels a little because there is an article on Asia One where we hear directly from some of the owners of the different F and B establishments. Lah. So for example, mm. Mr. Rob Rob Coleman, who is the owner of Verve Holdings which runs Masons, one of the restaurants whose building is being put up for tender. Uh, I mean yeah, he said he's happy for Naked Finn and Burger Labo, but he's shocked that the rest of them have to retender. So of mm. course this is taking what he says, um, but then Asia One did send out an official query to SLA to kind of say, "Yo, um, okay, how come Naked Fin and Burger Labo received direct tenancy? Like because even the co-founder of Crimea, she requested for direct tenancy, but she didn't get it, mm. right? So one reason that the SLA spokesman said um, is that uh, Naked Fin uh, is well regarded locally for high quality cuisine." Um, it's been it's given Singapore global culinary spotlight by being included in the essence of Asia's 50 best restaurants in 2021 mm. and then it's introduced its brand of gourmet creativity uh, and NFG uh, Naked Fan has created uh, contributed to the creative vibrancy blah 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 and that mm. it also has strict seafood criteria and mm. and that they don't touch anything critically uh, endangered mm. so then when you read that you're like I mean, literally, Terence has mentioned how much he loves Crimea like three mm. times on this podcast already. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's a lot more people who love Crimea. Yeah. So, I don't know. But Just, how, yeah, so how do you feel when you see an explanation like this? I feel like, yo, man, this this feels uh, shady. La. This feels that it's not objective. It really feels like not all tenants are equal. And I say this knowing that there might be a whole bunch of other factors out there but mm. if this is really what an SLA spokesman said, it feels like it's trying to... What's the saying? Uh? Mm. you trying to find something that isn't there or you trying to... Isn't there a saying for that? I mean, it's scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, right? Or grasping for straws. Grasping for straws, yeah. Not scraping the bottom of the barrel is, is a little different. It means, means uh. that they already have something yeah. substantial that they already took up. But, but mm-hmm. this one feels a bit like... Hmm. Right. Yeah. So as as a fervent supporter of Crimea, when you read that, how do you feel? No. Yeah. So I think I think, you know, they they say NFG, which is the Naked Fin Group, which runs the two restaurants that have been given direct tenancy. Yeah. You just take NFG and replace it with say Crimea. You know, over the years, Crimea has introduced its brand of gourmet creativity to given barracks tenants and visitors, and planning colorful culinary festivals. Mm. Uh. You know, I've sat with my family at Crimea. I sat. I've even. You know, brought my dogs to Crimea and sat down and had ice cream there in, in a very couple of memorable instances. Mm, mm, um, mm. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
premier contributed to the creative vibrancy of the Gilman Barracks precinct and invested significantly in its facilities to complement its growth. Mm. So, I mean, that I'm not 100% sure how much Crimea invested to, you know, upgrade its facilities or what. Uh, but we also don't know how much uh, the Naked Fin Group has contributed also, right? Yeah. Uh, and then that strict seafood criteria thing, I'm like, you know, yeah, that's it's good for them. But, uh, I mean, it's not something that... that Objectively says that they are more eco friendly than than uh, Crimea, right? Yeah. So uh, because I, yeah, I, I was thinking about this. You know, we always talk about. I mean, we've had a couple of podcasts where we talk about um, the concept of fairness in Singapore, right? Yeah. Like why why should we go out of our way to make special arrangements for people like Joseph Schooling, right? Yeah. If let's say for example Nicker Finn Group is the Joseph Schooling of restaurants, you know, in, in, in Singapore, like, right? Mm. And uh is well regarded locally for its high quality cuisine and, and has has, you know, gone international and put Singapore in a global culinary spotlight. Mm. Uh by in, being included in Essence of Asia's fifty best restaurants in twenty twenty one. So 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 what what SLA is trying to say is that Nicker Finn Group has done things that uh, the other tenants have not been able to do lah. It yeah. means put Singapore on the world map and things like that. So the same could be said of someone like Joseph Schooling. So why is it that when we talk about, hey, you know, we need to, we need to make think about what kind of exceptions we can make for once in a generation talents like Joseph Schooling. Uh, how why is it that that we we can say that, but then when it comes to this issue of, of a restaurant, you know, being given special treatment because it's doing well. Uh, why 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 does it feel different? Uh? That's what I'm trying to ask. I think I think just hearing you pin, I mean, uh, talk about also. I think for okay for Joseph Schooling, he, he like uh, he has won an Olympic gold medal. Mm. He set an mm. Olympic Olympic record. Um, yeah. That's almost like a universal definition of of success, uh. You can't mm. deny that he went into a pool with a bunch of other competitors and emerged. The fastest, whereas and and it did, that that was the competition to yeah. find the fastest, right? Yeah, the and he like dethroned uh some legends of the pool, uh. yeah. Um, and I guess where is feels like this one is like uh, it just it's just like is it really that objective? Um, yeah. it's like you know when you go to a, a award ceremony for media or something, and the winner of the category for Variety shows is the organizer of the previous year's award ceremony mm. that gives yeah. out this award. Um, yeah. Not naming names, but to see that or like newspapers or, or publication houses that get award themselves and own award. Because these award ceremonies, right? You know, when I first entered the corporate world, right? And mm. doing digital marketing, I remember like the company, Scoot, you know, we got nominated for a few marketing awards and I was like, fuck yeah, man. You know, I studied engineering, but maybe marketing is my calling, blah, 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 blah. Then I find out through the grapevine that um, our receiving receiving of the award is predicated on us attending, which is predicated on us forking out $3,000 per table, uh, without which we would not get the award. Then yeah. my naive mind was thinking, what? What is this? I grew up in meritocratic Singapore. What is happening? And then I realized, oh, shit. It is not meritocratic at all. You are given yeah. the prize if you are willing to fork out money, which funds events like this, which mm. ends up in a in kind of a jerk off circuit, circle jerk for people in the industry. I'm not saying all award ceremonies like that, 
uh, like that. But it was a wake-up call for anything that is based on almost like subjective uh, evaluation. Mm, mm. So something when you say like, you know, restaurants, I feel like, okay, is there a universally accepted, maybe like, a I don't know, Michelin star, even that is like, I don't know, feels like there could be, right? feels yeah. like there could be politics involved. Whereas swimming, yeah. you, like you swim 50 seconds here, it's it's undeniable. But but mm. as you were talking through those differences, what, what stuck out to you? Uh, yeah, a similar point uh, is that, yeah, that, that a lot of these so-called awards or your your um your eco-friendliness, a lot of these can be quite subjective, like, right? Yeah. And uh, until until of course until you you show me the the most objective uh you know purveyor of 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 these awards or these or, or these titles. Mm. Uh, right now, I yeah, I similar to you. I feel like a lot of these awards are like uh don't mean anything lah. Right. Mm, yeah. Uh, they, they they can mean a lot to the people who have them, but to try and use them objectively to say why one party is being treated uh, differently from another party when they were all kind of in the same boat before, um, just something fishy. It just smells yeah. fishy, la, Something just about it. Something smells fishy. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think it's also because based on this article, uh, which we are we are we are trusting at face value is that that came from an SLA spokesman. Mm. So it feels like Gilman Barracks probably right now is a very, very is a hotbed for potential kerfuffles everywhere. Yeah. I mean, don't right. get me wrong. I'm, I'm totally for rejuvenating the space. Yeah. I do I do feel that, um, like you, I do feel that it's a lot of wasted potential. Mm. Every time I go there, I'm like, I can't believe that this whole space was built only for, you know, People who who buy shit from art galleries, and 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 you know people who eat at expensive restaurants. Uh, I feel like it's a real disservice to the public, lah. Right? You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on. So, so yeah. So to me, is I do want to see the the place become more vibrant, more family friendly, more more rejuvenated, and and yeah, lah. See you know crowds there, see the FMB players there doing well, um, but at the same time. My my the the side of me, seeing uh, you know being uh, also like a SME, and and seeing how these SMEs are be, these SMEs that have weathered the storm of COVID and are still there, uh, are now being treated. I feel it's it's it just smacks of, uh, unfairness lah. You know. Yeah. But and, and I I can't I can't wholeheartedly say like, I buy into whatever how they're explaining it either lah. Right. Yeah, because okay, like based on that, it is like okay, these people who have, um, kind of been through COVID and are still surviving, which is an achievement for anyone in FNB, to be have to kind of prove their worth again to an yeah. open market of potential tenders who yeah. I don't know maybe from, I I like based on what I could find for the tender, you know, I don't think there's anything that's that's limiting, uh, like mandates only Singaporean FNB companies can tender or something. And mm. we know there's like there's inequality everywhere. I might be wrong about that. Maybe it is for, for Singaporean companies only. But suddenly, like I don't know, there's a which is one Singaporean company that has been killing it in FMB. Uh, I don't know. There might be. Um, but then, but then you know, going back to what you said about rejuvenating it and cruise, increasing footfall and food traffic. Looking at what they're planning to turn into, right? I still won't go there. Like it's a mm. farmers market. Um, mm. It's like farm to table. Yo, man, if I wanna. 
if I want to support a market, I'll go to like the local wet market or something. So it is going to still going to be that atas layer, lah, right? Hmm. Um, which brings me to another question that when I read all these articles, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like Gilman Barracks is the size of what, like twi- twen- 20 football fields or something? Mm. And the whole cost of rejuvenation is $2 million. Mm. Mm. How the hell is that possible? Like they say, you know, they want like covered walkways and this and shit. Okay, it's 12 football fields. Um, okay. How are you going to do that with $2 million? Mm. It sounds I mean, like, a, like a lot of money, but $2 million, like, like uh, I mean, for a space like that, Hmm. What is this? Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, the, I, I'm not an urban planner, lah, right? But at the very least, I would say is that uh, walking around uh, Gilman Barracks is, yeah, you, you, you will be subject to the vagaries of the weather. Yeah. And, and weather changes around. So, the very least I can see them doing is, is more covered walkways to link up all the different buildings, lah. Right. Yeah. And and like you, I'm also like hmm, that is gonna yeah, be costly. <laughs> so so it, it, that that's where it might um maybe that's why the tenders they're opening up these tenders so that they you know they can actually get more money from uh rental such that the they tenders, can be more uh, spent on on, on mm. the place to inject more vibrancy into the place. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's just. Uh, my heart goes out to all those people uh, running these F&B businesses there like, and I hope they can get they, they should get more accountability with regards to what has happened here like, because at the end of the day you know, SLE also is a you know a civil it's part of the civil services and all right yeah so they they should they should be a bit more accountable with these things yeah. or maybe maybe like um Maybe there's a lot more info that is not being shared publicly. Maybe it was just, oh, you know, a public announcement. Nobody's going to give a shit. Then you get two mofos like us, like, just wait, wait, wait. Just SLA person say, what? You know, yeah. let's talk for 30 minutes about it. And, and if anyone at SLA yeah. is listening to this, they're like, oh my God, guys, this was just one or 17 agenda yeah. items <laughs> of everything we had to cover this week. We just yeah. put it there. We yeah. just replied via email. Um, Don't ruin I mean, my weekend. Yeah. The what? Don't ruin my weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is something that, yo, if it's in the news, we're going to talk about it, man. Yeah. So, so actually, the, the we, we are not the mofos. Uh. The original mofos are from the Straits Times and, and, <laughs> and uh, what was the other publication? Even the, I think the new paper also, uh, right? Mm. What What uh, about those two? The Straits Times, it yeah. came as a blow. Gilman Barracks, F&B tenants. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what, what's the full headline? Gilman Barracks F&B tenants disappointed by launch of tenders for their sites. And then, uh, yeah, la, Asia won even more, even more, more clickbaity. Borrowed close to 2 million to cover operational costs. Gilman Barracks F&B tenants asked to retender or leave. Oh, you but yeah, they smart. Huh? Borrowed close to 2 million, which is the same cost of the payslip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, just to survive during COVID, this poor guy had, I mean, this... SME had to borrow two million to cover the cost, and then and the SLA is like, yeah. "All right, we're gonna use the two million to refurbish this whole place, and you're gonna have to you're prove your worth again, bro." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, we, we, it doesn't mean that that two million only covered uh, rental and thing like, right? But yeah, like, yeah, like, true, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it, it did somewhat cover, help to cover the rental and all that. Like, it was the operational cost, actually. Operational oh, cost, operational yeah. cost. Okay, operational okay. Cost but but yeah, the, the, 
and yeah, you know the the poor footfall in Gilman Barracks and the and and and, and things like that. I think uh, contributed lah, right to mm. to the difficulty of covering the operational costs. So yeah. it's almost like yeah, like they just want to wipe wipe the the slate clean, get rid of all the FMB tenants that have struggled through struggled with them through the first five years. Yeah, of of this of this uh, endeavor, and just wipe the slate clean and oh, you know, yeah, you know. Uh, that was our past. Now let's just move forward and not not yeah, care about I, I, the people hope, that that have we've uh we've worked with for the last five years. Yeah, I hope that's yeah, not, I'm not cool yeah. with that. Like, I'm not cool with that at all. Yeah, I I hope that's not the case. That somewhere in SLA, like, oh, you know, F and B is opening up. You know, it's the perfect time to rejuvenate uh Gilman Barracks and invite all these new parties. Then yo man, like the people who've been there to tide it through, you gotta fucking reward that man. And and I mean just. Just this sort. Of, if it really is that shrewd, right? Of course, it can't can't help but bring bring me back to our own experience dealing with a network um, in that that just before COVID liquidated put us in a very precarious position. Uh, yeah. A lot of which, which I don't know. Can we can we not talk about it? We will talk about it at some point. But mm. it just feels like if it's purely just a numbers game, um, yeah, like, I hope that isn't the case, like, that, that as things are opening up in FNB, there's you can see light at the end of the tunnel. The those in the in positions of power are like, you know what? Time to milk this cow to the max. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I think balls in balls in SLA is caught lah, right? To 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 let the public know like what exactly is so special about those two tenants that they that they had to uh, keep them there lah, right? Yeah, I mean the thing yeah. is like, is is the ball really in their court though? Is there any ball in any court right now? Oh, as opposed to are we just like playing Singapore basketball style, one just, on one? The Singapore style just moving forward. <laughs> yeah, just moving regardless. forward. Then me and you are on the basketball court. Yo, SLA, yeah. come on, man, play ball. <laughs> Pass the ball. Play ball, <laughs> SLA. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> no, I mean, um, the, yeah. So I, I guess that's that's this this is the best we can do yeah. for this case, which is to bring it to. Your attention, your mm. you know our adoring listeners, bring your to to your attention and and also yeah la, just make you all more conscientious about the the stuff going on around us also la. I I become especially during COVID I think I've I've become a lot more like uh aware of 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 uh you know Singapore businesses that are operating in and around where I live where I work and all that and and, and just hearing the stories of how they struggle and survive through COVID and all. Uh, has 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 you know, it's helped me empathize a lot lah with them. Mm. Yeah, and and I I I feel hard. I feel this why this this I feel very bad for these guys here. So lah, yeah. Yeah, man. So I mean, just if you guys have any thoughts, if you know any any bits of info that could help contribute to this discussion, please just head on over to our Reddit. Uh, mm. link is in the show notes as always, and just yeah. share your thoughts there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, from one one instance of uh, of uh, you know, un, uh, illogical injustice, la, I would say illogical yeah. injustice, to another instance of illogical injustice. Uh, this is uh, another uh, pretty pretty uh, hotly debated topic, la, right? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, about one of your favorite uh, movie properties in in, <laughs> in the world, right, Harish? Yeah, man. Of course. Yes. All all roads lead back to this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't avoid it. Can't avoid it. And the movie is 
Uh, you can say it like you can say it. Crazy Rich Asians. <sighs> I have realized that talking about this would bring you such joy. Eh? It, it does, it does, it does. Because I, I think, I think, actually, I think it relates a lot more to you than you think, right? Is it? I think so. I think so. But okay. what is what is this big topic that has uh, gotten a lot of people on Twitter and in Hollywood wagging the tongues? Uh? Yeah. And it is it is it is more okay. So like that, the everybody knows Simo Simo Liu, I guess. Um, you know the of Shang Chi fame. Um, he just tweeted, uh, or he revealed in a podcast, uh, mm. with, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, wait, I'll get an ah. Uh, um, in the podcast, it'll be how to fail with Elizabeth Day, that he auditioned four times for Crazy Rich Asians, um, for a number of roles. For other parts, including the main character Nick Young, which uh, was eventually given to Henry Golding, uh, Nick's best friend Colin, played by Chris Pang, um, a, a role that eventually went to Singaporean actor Pierre Peng, um, and that Simu Liu was told that he didn't have the it factor for Hollywood. La, and uh, he said, and I quote, I didn't have that thing that made people want to watch it. Mm. Right? That was what he said in the podcast. Yeah. Then. That whole excerpt was kind of tweeted by outlets like IndieWire and stuff like that. And mm. then it sparked an internet debate uh, about uh, basically how... I mean, I don't even know how to just simplify the debate, but it ranged from, you know, Simu not getting the part which was meant for an Asian because it was given to someone who is half Asian, half white, i.e. Henry Golding, to appeal to the global market, which is fucked up because Crazy Rich Asians is a movie about Asians, bro. Mm, mm, um, so that was one aspect of the argument. Then the, the, the silver lining, I guess, is that it, it rallied Singaporeans and Malaysians online together who defended the fact that Henry Golding, of course, it makes sense for him to be in the movie because he is from Southeast Asia and the movie is set in Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but before that, like, before that. Yeah, yeah. Before uh, all that. I just want to... Because because actually there's a um, there's been a there's been a little bit of a, uh, you know there's been a bit of time between this news about Simu Liu uh, on the podcast which was about maybe about a week ago on May 18th to mm. this you know the more recent uh, coverage in, on on the local media like I mean like uh, Mothership on May 24th about uh, about this uh. so just on the surface when you hear. Simu Liu saying that he didn't have an it factor to star in Crazy Rich Asians. Mm. Do you think he's insinuating about about his race? No, not at no. all. So 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 you, you just look at it. It's purely about the the X factor, the it factor that can't be can't be explained, lah. Yeah. Ah okay okay. You got it got it. Because I mean you you are a director, you are a executive producer, you are a writer. Mm. Um, and you have been in positions where to decide whether or not someone's fit for a role. Yes, correct. So when correct, you saw yeah. that, what did you think? Uh, no, I'm looking at the, you know, like for example, the headline from IndieWire, when I see Simu Liu was told he didn't have the it factor to star in Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I mean, in today's trigger-happy culture, like, it just, it, this feels like clickbait, basically. Mm. Mm. It seems to be baiting people to, to, to jump on the race card that is supposed to be them fucking obvious that Simu Liu 
should be the star of Crazy Rich Asians because why? He's Asian, you know? Mm. Uh, when, when, and actually, yeah, like, like you, as you read the article a bit more, then you realize, like, yeah, when he says it factor, he does emphasize that he talks about it being an X factor, right? Mm. That means it's not so much about being, about being uh, Asian or not Asian and all. So, so, so the, it's more about the X factor. So, that, uh, yeah, to, to, but, to, it's, it's harder to put a finger on, right? But when you read it, did, I mean, aside from, looking at it through the lens of what the internet might see it as, did yeah. it occur to you that he was talking about something other than that X-Factor kind of thing? Um, I think we've had discussions about stuff that Simu Liu has said before, right? And yeah, uh, actually it's good that you bring that up because I, I remember my sentiments towards Simu, Simu Liu are not the most glowing and I cannot remember why. Yeah, I, yeah there is a sense of... Um, uh, clickbaitiness lah in certain things he says right oh cause one time uh, I think he was whi- uh, like complaining about how he was treated on the set of uh, the Kim's convenience or something like that was it oh yeah yeah he wrote an open letter complaining about a lot of things yeah, were, yeah, yeah about, right. about the final season of Kim's convenience lah right yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, the very the very the most generous thing I could say about it it wasn't very good form as, mm. as an actor on the on something that gave you has brought you a global platform and given you six seasons of of you know of fame and everything like right yeah uh so yeah i mean this one it, 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 it's a bit you know i just felt like it had this uh air of being a bit dismissive of 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 uh the various reasons why someone would choose henry golding over simu Liu, la, you know mm. uh the and and uh, it, it made I generally the the air around the whole thing just made it feel like it was uh like the people are supposed to get outraged about it lah, and and they did lah, they did, which is you know it's this internet that we live in this these days lah. But but what what what? But how about you? Do you think that if you were a casting director or a director casting for Crazy Rich Asians between a Simulu and a and a Henry Golding, why would you who 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 and why would you choose for the lead? You know. Um, I mean, because the story, it is set in Singapore. It is set in uh, with a character who has some sort of ties to like like having grown up overseas or something. Um, so Henry Golding really feels like the best bet just based on, on, on uh, how you say, uh, actually just, just based on how it, it could, cater to the movie as well mm-hmm. um, as opposed to kind of casting someone who might be a great actor but I mean let's be honest like sometimes people are cast not just because of their acting talents there's a mm. whole bunch of things that go into it so I think yeah. Henry Golding yeah he, he, he you watch it you're like okay this guy is almost perfect for the role yeah but yeah. going back to what you said earlier I mean ultimately like even though I'm not the biggest fan of Simu Liu, he did say this on a podcast, right? Mm. Where it's like a one-hour podcast where you could talk about a lot of things. They never really shared what he said before or after. So to me, this is a definition of something that was extracted, not given mm. much context, and the internet just took it and ran wild ran with, with it. it. Yeah. 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 So, so that's the thing. Like, that I also have not had a chance to listen to the podcast. Uh, but I felt that those articles that wrote about this excerpt, what he said, uh, were trying very hard to 
uh, you know, make make an issue out of it, lah. Mm. Make it a, a almost like a racial issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like without thinking about the larger context, and, and I mean, it's it's not that. Is I mean, their job is to get clicks. It's not to think about the nuances of crazy rich Asians or anything. But yeah, the, like what you say, the truth is, Henry Golding is much more Southeast Asian than Simu Liu will ever be, like, right? Mm. So he he makes even just he just makes sense like, to cast someone like him. Yeah. Uh, and 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 whether and then you know there are all these questions about is he really truly Asian or what? At the end of the day, he he knows he is much more. Malaysian or Singaporean than than anyone that you cast from Hollywood, like, right? Yeah. And, so, and uh, if yeah. anything, I I mean, we 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 I think we from the media industry here in Singapore are happy for a lot of the actors that manage to get roles in Crazy Rich Asians, like, from Singapore, like, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's just fun to watch the debate online because you see things like uh, I think one is like, and what does a Malaysian British actor know about Singapore? Most Singaporeans <laughs> are ethnically ethnically. Chinese anyway, so Simu makes a lot more sense than a half-white one. Yeah. But then some, some of the comments that uh, retorted to that are like, the difference if I call Simu Liu, uh, I mean, I won't say it, but it's a Hokkien swear word. He wouldn't <laughs> understand, but at least Henry Golden CB, would. La, CB, CB. CB, yeah, CB. If I call Simu Liu a CB, he wouldn't yeah. understand. Versus <laughs> yeah. Henry Golding probably would understand. And that's why he should be cast in Crazy Rich Asians, man. Can you imagine during the audition, like John, John Chu just says, uh, Simo, um, are you a CB? Um, Henry, are you a CB? Um, and their reaction kind of like uh, determines whether or not they get the part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, let's give Simu Liu the benefit of doubt. Mm. If he's talking about the X Factor, what, what, what do you think the X Factor could actually be? I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to explain and that's why I think people call term it the X Factor. Because... Like from okay, from our own experience, we have had to audition a lot of people for certain roles, and sometimes even after an audition, we will say, okay, she's she or he is like a great actor, a great actress. Um, they look great, they fit the part, but just something, something doesn't flow Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, you can't forget that being an actor in a TV show means you have to act with a lot of other people. And mm. the chemistry with other people is also something that that matters, like even the visual look of someone. Yeah. Um, like for example, if you cast an actor who is supposed to be in a position of power, uh, and someone who starts off with a position of less power, having a height difference can also can also contribute to that visually representing that on screen, lah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's all these different things that come in. So if he says he doesn't have the X factor, he doesn't have the it factor. I guess it's maybe crushing to hear as an actor, mm. but there is something to it, lah. Yeah, because he did say, uh, yeah, la, it was a very crushing blow for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is these are quotes from articles, like It felt like someone was telling me that I just wasn't good enough, that I that I just wasn't likable. Um, but I mean, that that is almost like the definition of of someone of being an actor in in Hollywood and all that, right? Yeah, you, you kind of need to, the the the, the, the like the X factor is. I mean, even if it just boils down to being likable, then there's part part of the the whole X factor that we talk about as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, so I don't yeah. know, man. Like, um, it's it's very hard to you know be objective about this kind of casting decisions and to give a perfect answer for 
for why someone is a better fits the role better than another. But but yeah, I I, I still feel like yeah, it's a um there's a there's a lot being said here. There's a lot between the lines of what is being said here that that uh that almost seems uh designed to trigger people, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I mean I guess what we're arguing about is like some of the sentiments you see expressed online, like as opposed to what Simu said. Um, because even Mothership took the liberty to add that uh, apparently on the podcast, Simu never commented or questioned uh, the casting of Henry Golding during the podcast. La. So mm. it's like it's like if we do a podcast for one hour, someone takes this one line that we say and puts it online and people just erupt in anger. Um, it's just it's just weird. La. But I would say this whole thing has, to me, more net positive than net negative because it brought Singaporeans and Malaysians together. So if you go on Reddit, <laughs> right, you will see people saying, yo, I'm a Singaporean or I'm a Malaysian um, and I'm Iban. Uh, uh, and Henry Golding is also Iban. And they, they talk about how, yeah, Henry Golding looks like like a, 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 a like like he's from uh, where he's supposed to be from, you know? Yeah. So it's just nice to see on Reddit, yo man, Singaporean Malaysians put their differences together and fight for Henry Golding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Golding, man. Yeah, that's right. Henry um, Golding for the win. Yeah. So you know, I mean, but Simu Liu, like like you said, mothership, they also did show that Simu Liu subsequently tweeted that uh, the Crazy Rich Asians audition led to some really meaningful feedback about his work and craft and. That movie was perfectly cast just the way it was and paved the way for all of us, us being Asians, I guess. Yeah, I mean he's he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, yeah. Right. And 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 yeah, so rather than you know, maybe rather than making uh like like complaining about crazy rich Asians not you know, not casting well enough, I think it, it really did a very good job of like oh, paving the way for a lot of other for Asian representation in Hollywood, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, you know, as much as even you hate the film and all that, I think you you can't deny that. It, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was happy. Uh, we were happy lah to see a lot of Singaporean actors get that break in Hollywood or so lah. Yeah, net yeah. net positive. Net positive. Net positive. When you walked out of the cinema, it was very negative lah, right? It yeah, I remember the sushi <laughs> I had a Genki sushi, uh, eating after the movie with my fiance. Uh, and just bitching to her about the movie. But of course, the yeah. first thing I did after the movie was I think I called you. Because yeah, you had yeah. waxed so damn lyrical about it, about how, hey, Harish, it's a damn good movie to watch on a Friday night with your girlfriend. You go watch it, you'll have a good time. And then I came out like, what the fuck was that? Huh? It was a shit-ass movie. It spoiled the sushi. Uh, the sushi wasn't very good to begin with. I was had it. I had angry sushi. My girlfriend was like, why are you so angry about a damn movie? I was like, no. I went in with so much expectations and it just shit. Uh, you know what's the problem? The problem is that you didn't go for to the naked fin after oh, the movie Labo, for, correct, for correct. Burger Labo because the food there is so good that it will make you forget whatever you were feeling about crazy recreations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. correct as correct. objectively as told you in the in the essence of Asia's top fifty restaurants in twenty 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 one. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, Singaporeans and Malaysians coming together, uniting to. Uh, to fight, uh, I don't know what, what is this called. Uh? Like, it's not really, is it racism? No, it's not racism. It's just, it's I, like I people know, yeah. jumping onto the bandwagon to talk about something that shouldn't even be talked about, uh. Um, yeah. But through that, I also realized, uh, 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 that 
the term Asian boba, you know, uh, mm. you know boba tea and all that is actually a urban slang for an Asian in a Western country who appears to be woke but has no idea what they're talking about. Oh, there's such a thing. Already. There's such a thing. The Asian boba. Go Google wow. it. So apparently, a lot of these people on on Reddit are saying, "Oh, it's just these Asian bobas jumping on something that they don't understand." You know, I'm a Singaporean and I know blah blah blah. Then I'm like, "What the fuck is an Asian boba? Since when bobas talk?" <laughs> but it is slang. Boba. So, oh, boba liberal is it? Uh, is mainly used by Asians. Uh. Yeah, yeah, got yeah, it, yeah. Got it. Correct. Got it. Correct. Correct. Oh, also what a what a coincidence that we just talked about NFT bubble teas and then this. Asian mobas. Uh, Asian mobas. Uh. I mean, we did put in a lot of thought into coming up with the name, la. We yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. we wanted to do something in crypto that was unlike every other crypt, uh, NFT podcast out there. We wanted to, you know, showcase that we are uniquely Asian. Even though we were debating between putting like lassi versus bubble tea, yeah, and then Andy is yeah. in Taiwan, we are in Singapore. Yeah. Lassi is part of like Indian uh, or or Asian cuisine, but yeah, like, it just felt okay, like bubble tea. Bubble tea for now, yeah. But this this incident also uh, kind of like reminded me of, of I think you 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 always tell the story like, right of how, uh, when us like actual like Southeast Asians or Asians Asians from Asia like, right yeah go to the US, and then we join the the Asian student organizations and all that yeah, uh, yeah. and it's mostly Americans uh eth- ethnic Asian Americans like, right. And then the shocking thing to us is that they are so much more into Asian culture than actual Asians are, like 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 traditional, <laughs> traditional <laughs> music, traditional arts and stuff like that, and wearing like Asian costumes, Asian. Okay, I'm using Asian very broadly here, lah, Right, but maybe yeah. you tell the story because I think it's damn funny when you tell it, lah. Yeah, because when I was studying at at in the US at UPenn, uh, where I met Terrence and all that, I did have friends who were Indian uh, and there were American-born Indians and India, India-born India Indians. And generally, right, uh, it was one of my Indian-born, India-born Indian friends who told me uh, this realization uh, that all the American-born Indians were so much more kind of like, uh, I mean, almost like clutching onto their Indian identity, right? That all of them could do Bharanatyam, which is a traditional Indian dance, all of them went for dancing classes. All of them could play some fucking Indian re- Indian instrument. And my friend from Bombay was like, and I will use the accent because I'm Indian, and he really did say it in the accent. He was like, fuck these Indians. Like, I just want to get drunk. <laughs> I don't know how to play the fucking sita. I don't know how to play the tabla. I just want to drink. <laughs> that was fucking funny. And I mean, they were all friends. Like, they got along super well. But it was just funny. Yeah. On one hand, you have these, these people born in Boston who like can baranathium for 24 hours. <laughs> and then people from Bombay are like, I don't even know Hindi. I just drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was fucking funny, man. It's almost, it was almost quite was quite funny. scary how how obsessed they were with uh with displaying uh the 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 the, the like they're Indian, you know. Yeah, the 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 Asianness, you know, the yeah. Chineseness or the Indianness of 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 their culture, like, right? You yeah, know? yeah, and, and correct, correct. Well, I mean, to to us, to us from Southeast Asia, that it was like, whoa, this is like really hardcore, like, you yeah, know? This, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and like you, you slow down everyone. You know, there's like even you go Asia, you're gonna people are gonna look at you funny because no one's so obsessed with it like that, lah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like fuck the sita, fuck the tabla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, it oh a, man. Yeah, yeah it was, was it, it's, I always get a good laugh thinking about that, lah. That yeah. was fucking funny, fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, man. But cool, cool, uh, cool, cool. Let's take a look at uh. What, any, if there are any interesting comments or DMs or what that have mm. come our way. Yeah. What um, is your one short comment? Yeah, I have my one short comment. Um, it was um, it was something that <laughs> where someone who said he's a frequent listener and commentator. He commented on two nine episode 294 and just pointed out that he had to create this burner account because it would give too much of his own location for his own comfort if he used his original account and that he he or she would not be seen fangirling and gushing like this on his on their main account. But basically, he had seen through our MOF or they, I'll just use they, had seen through our MOF Instagram account that we were giving a talk at Northland Primary mm. and the, this person apparently lives nearby and when they walked past, they heard loud voices lah and they realized that, oh, it must have been either Terrence or I on the mic and that they were like 300 meters away from us. Oh, so it's a him because he talks about the mm. subsequent conversation with his wife who yeah. teaches at the, who works at the school and how mm. she was not aware, uh, but he was. And the moral of the story in his words was, you know what your wife does at work and maybe she will also know the podcast you listen to. But mm. I mean, basically, it was, it was one of those moments where what we were doing in real life Converge with what we were doing on the podcast. Converge with our community on Reddit, lah. Mm, and it was, mm. and I mean, plus the user, the username was uh, YLB loves me, lah. Even though I did read it as YL loves me initially, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is love? Is that brotherly Bloves love? Me. Then I was like, YLB loves me. Okay. Bloves, bloves me. Bloves me. Yeah. YL bloves, bloves me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It sounds. It sounds. Yeah. There's a. Yeah, funny nugget lah. I think I think he put in a lot of effort to to tell us the whole the whole his all his emotions yeah. running through his mind when he when he heard about us being nearby. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I I, I my one should comment is uh, from Hot Garbage Comics on the yeah our episode two ninety three on our subreddit. He goes into quite because we talk about Joseph schooling calling for the national dialogue on national service, right? Uh, mm. And then he goes into a, a bit of a detail about actually what the public perception is of uh, the military in India where he comes from right you know Mm-mm-mm. and uh, it's pretty interesting because yeah, I think he, he talks about how uh, in India it's a uh, you know a lot um, pe- a lot of people sign up for the army because it's a shortcut out of poverty you know there are a lot of perks that come with it and, and people uh, respect the, anyone who, who wears the army uniform lah. Mm-hmm. so you know um I think he makes very good points that that in Singapore it's uh, maybe it's not so much about how about you know whether athletes should should be exempt from national service. The question is why is national service just seen as such a a terrible chore, like, right? Yeah. For 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 anyone that is like is is guaranteed it must be something that everyone is trying to avoid, like, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that might that I think that's a very interesting question that. Uh, you know, flips the whole, that whole national dialogue on, on national service. Uh. Yeah. Then rather than just thinking about, okay, who are the elite people that we can exempt from this duty? You know, think about why is it that everyone just sees it as such a, 
such a thing to try and avoid like if they want to have if they just want to live life like right correct thanks to yeah shout out to hot garbage comics for the interesting perspective yeah yeah that that was that was uh an interesting yeah I was quite happy with the discussions on that podcast like. yeah yeah that's right but yeah and yeah, uh, at least us will need to talk about what is your one shock thing uh my one shock thing was the the highlights of uh the menu legends versus the Liverpool legends mm. uh it was it was played at Old Trafford and you see like legends like uh uh, who are uh, like uh, I mean I guess the the one yeah uh, Bob Bobatov and um, I guess my favorite was like Yap Stammer, who was mm-hmm. this colossal defender uh, back in the day from from Netherlands and he still plays with such intensity it's scary like. mm-hmm. um, but then it was just nice to see like you know Paul Scholes Gary Neville uh, Jamie Carragher all just 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 in the game like even though it's it's weird to to think that these people all played with Ronaldo, uh, mm. who is now still breaking records, and these people are uh, in the legend territory already, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, in some way, I was just reading through some of our other comments, and uh, not not to go back to the comment thing, but there was a comment from longtime commenter Sudin, um, who said that they are uh, avid uh, menu uh, football fan, and they cringe when they hear us talk about football, especially me, because. It proves the banter that Menu fans are glory hunters who only support their teams when uh, the team when they're doing well, yeah. uh, and now they don't follow them with that much zeal. Um, <laughs> I would say that is kind of true. <laughs> I yeah. won't deny it. <laughs> yeah, I will shamelessly admit that. Yeah la, like um, I'm I, I can't say I'm a diehard fan la, So mm. I I apologize if I set up the expectation <laughs> to be the case. <laughs> I mean, uh. Yeah, like now, even now I'm watching it because of Ronaldo, la, to be honest. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I am yeah. excited for a new season. But but watching this this highlights thing was quite quite cool la, to see. Just It just remind reminds you of the, these these legends, la, these true legends. It's like a throwback. La. throwback yeah, it's a throwback. Good days. Throwback it's to a good throwback. old days of being a, being a fair weather fan. La. <laughs> yeah, when, fair weather fan. <laughs> <laughs> when Manu was actually yeah. winning and all yeah, that. Yeah, correct. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Yapstam lah. Yapstam just still looks like a beast, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. But but what cool. about you, man? What what was your one shot thing? <clears throat> um, I mean, it's a one shot thing as much as uh, it is probably uh, it needs to also come with a trigger warning, lah, right? Mm. Uh, Ricky Gervais, mm. his new his new comedy special called Supernature, has just come out on Netflix, mm. and uh, the first twelve minutes consists of a lot of uh jokes about uh you know transphobia and and pronouns and 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 things like that lah. Mm, so mm. I I mean, uh, you know, it's Ricky Gervais. Uh, he his part of his brand of comedy is to make sure that anyone who can of get offended from his joke his jokes will get offended. Mm. Uh, you know, and and he yeah he goes to a lot of different places lah with with this. So I I I think it's it's just I mean, I even I already just find this particular special uh i can't as heartily recommend this just i recommend this special as compared to his older all his older material mm. but at the same time you know um yeah we're living in a very different era so i i i'm trying to also discern what exactly i feel about it 
but I would love for others to also watch it and, and let me know what they think also. Oh, so, so you're still kind of on the fence about what you make about the just the first 12 minutes? I mean, the first 12, I mean, overall, I, I really generally feel like, okay, it's, I mean, I get where he's trying to go and, and you know, cancel culture and all these things. But yeah, the, the like, does he manage to, does he manage to, to, to say something more wise about, about it than, that other comedians have tried, like, tried to, like, you know, whether it's mm. Joe Rogan or, or Dave Chappelle and all. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a, I think I, I, if you're a fan of his older stuff, you should try try this one out and then, yeah, just just let me know what you guys think. But why, why specifically the first 12 minutes? Is because it? he spends it talking about uh, jokes about pronouns, jokes about tra- uh, the, the trans community. Oh, so you watched the whole that. special already? I have um, most of it. I haven't finished the full thing yet. Okay, okay. So, okay. so, but, but it's it's enough to make me feel like hmm, I'm wondering if more people watch the watch watch this special, like what would they make of it, lah? Because mm. as you know, you know Dave Chappelle has got a lot a lot of flack for for the, the for the jokes that he he makes about the trans community and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, yeah, now Ricky Gervais is 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 on it. But Ricky Gervais is, I mean, he's also an animal lover, you know. A very rabid, uh, you know, animal rights, uh, not animal rights. I just, just basically, uh, you know, he 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 gives a lot of money to, to uh, charitable causes that take care takes care of animals and, and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, what do you, what do you, what what do people make of this? That's what I find uh, very interesting. Uh. I see. Yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. cool. All right. All right. Uh yeah, well that's that's it for the midweek podcast, and I guess we will talk to them at the end of the week. Yep. See ya. Cool guys. Bye bye.